podcast. Uh, your host, Chris. Uh, on today's episode, I'm going to read some near-death experiences. It's a little weird, I guess. Uh, <laughs> be sure to check out rain.rantcast.com. Uh, pick up some merch. Support the show. Maybe write in and tell, tell me I suck or whatever. Enjoy this. Actually, uh, listen to... Um, Sam Tripley's tinfoil hat last uh, episode with now I'm not going to know his fucking name oh my god Alex Sarkaris Sacris Sacris T-S-A-K-I-R-I-S and they got on to talking about near death experiences which is odd because I just released an episode with a dude talking about a near-death experience, but whatever. Uh, which I didn't really think it was too much. I mean, yeah, he almost died because he fucking broadsided a fucking car, you know. But he never went unconscious, and he never coded. So I didn't see his as a near-death experience as far as um, experiencing that realm. When he talked about it, he was tripping balls. So I never really thought of it like that until I started reading on the Enderf, the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, in which at one point when Sam and Alex are talking, we're talking about the moment of death, and um, XG mentions it's similar to DMT, in which Alex responds that, no, they're two different things as far as the timeline because a near-death experience a near-death experience uh sometimes they he said sometimes they're outside the body and you know they watch them being wheeled in and shit and then they get uh ejected onto a plane as with dmt as soon as you take it boom you're in the nether regions or wherever the fuck you're going but the thing is is if you're in the middle of dying and you are dying, your body knows it. Don't you think your body would release increments of this DMT just in case you're not dying, that you don't die, but release increments of this to keep you calm. I mean, it's releasing sedatives and shit like that automatically, which makes you think, I mean, all, the design, the layout, and everything of the body is fucking insane. But when you... So he says, you know, you're outside the body, and then you know that you code it or whatever, and then you zip off to the tunnel or wherever you're going. But no, it seems like it, the body could be releasing bits of DMT as it's dying. And then at the moment of death, it releases all the drugs it has inside of it. Which brings me to another point. When we listened to my episode with Hunter, uh, Exploding Femurs and Exploding Femur and Broken Wiener, <clears throat> um, when, when um, he is tripping on the ketamine, he has an out-of-body experience, he said. Um, 
So there's a lot of factors there because most a lot of people who are near death have had trauma and other things. A majority of them, though, are cardiac, are cardiac arrest, um, heart attacks. But uh, when they're talking um, at the moment, no, when I was talking to Hunter on that that episode, he talked about seven pounds of inflammation in his leg that just accumulated, right? It's not like you drew something into your body. It's not like you drank anything, ate anything, was injected with anything. Just the inflammation building up and forming inside of your body creates its own weight, which is mind-boggling to me because where is it coming from? Mass is mass, right? How can how can your body be creating more mass out of nothing? Because that's essentially what is happening. It's it's coming from nothing. You might have a break in your leg, or you know, inflammation is happening. But the inflammation, whatever is being sent to that area, is already in your body. How can it add more weight? So then it got me to thinking. Um, there was a study done long ago uh, where they basically had a bed on a scale. And um, the moment of death, they keep saying, you know, they'd find old people, and people on near death, and they'd put them on this bed. And which, What if it's like a shitty bed, you know? And you're like, yo, I know you're going to die and stuff, but could you get on this bed? We want to do an experiment. It's like, God damn, this bed sucks. Anyways, at the moment of death, they say 21 grams is released from the body or disappears or you lose 21 grams. Um, and at the moment, it always got me to thinking like, they say light is particles and protons and all that shit. So if there's light within you and the light being the energy that runs your body, if it were to leave your body, could that be 21 grams? But after listening to Hunter talk about gaining seven pounds in just inflammation from his body, producing inflammation, which comes from his body and nowhere else. And it adds seven pounds. It added more mass and weight to his body. You know, um, it's fucking crazy. So I was thinking the 21 grams, could that not be, you have that much chemical and DMT in your brain in like a little release mechanism. You have this stored bit in your brain. You have this other stuff that can secrete out and stuff and needed when you're dreaming and shit like that. But upon death, there's a trap door open and poof, it just floods your brain. And at that moment, it absorbs and there goes the 21 grams. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. That's just a fucking thought that I've had for a long time. Or not <laughs> the thought. Not a lot. Oh, man. I'm fucking stoned. Damn, I got too high. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I've had this thought a long time on the 21 grams. Where does this go? How does it, you know, I always thought, you know, 
maybe it's the energy leaving your body. But a lot of that energy has to stay in your body because all the cells and all the stuff inside your body and bacteria and stuff has to still operate and eat your body. It's pretty fucking morbid, huh? So anyways, what I wanted to do was uh, (laughs) read some near-death experiences. These are people right into the Enderf, Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, dot org, Enderf, N-D-E-R-F dot org. And they write in their near-death experiences. Now I have to take uh, Hunter's, yes, when he said he was going towards the light, that was considered a near-death experience because he, I mean, if he wouldn't have had a helmet on, he would have been dead, for one. So, I think that just a shock alone can kill you. You might be on a lot of drugs, but I'm assuming you're still mentally, I don't know, I don't know how it works, I've never been in that position. So, anyways, let's read uh, India Physician Near-Death Experience. Man, I think this is number, oh, no, I just lost it, didn't I? Oh, number 49, number 49 on, like, thousands and thousands of near-death experiences. I went back to the first page, back in, like, 99 or 98. Greetings, and thanks for the genuine appreciation. I am a senior hemopathic physician, having more than three decades of practice. Below my original message, I am now sending my personal NDA or NDE details for publication. You can also put my email address on that. Let like-minded persons can come together and discuss this important matter, which has wholly engaged a collective Indian mind for thousands of years with warm greetings. We in India with our Hore philosophical philosophical <laughs> traditions of more than 7,000 years an experience of thousands of th- of saints and sages believe in the holistic philosophy of life. No experiments conducted on average experience criteria or objective studies of the brain can explain the function of consciousness. Each man's experience will be different like the fact that no two thumb impressions match. Near-death experience of an evolved soul will be transden- transcendental. It's like a quantum jump. While experiences of many ordinary people may be ascribed to stresses of emotional factors. In the matter of consciousness, we are entering a quantum field wherein modern science has no guidelines. I was also skeptical about transcendental experiences until I had one, an NDE, near-death experience, in 1969 after suffering an attack of acute dysentery and loss of blood, I was nearing the end. Suddenly I left the body and from the ceiling could look down on my body. In that state, I could instantly be aware of anything, anything I thought about. I thought of my mother. I could see her running helter-skelter on a platform to catch a train. Later, when I luckily recovered, I corroborated that, that in fact, at that precise moment, she was running on a platform hundreds of kilometers away to catch a train to come to my place on receipt of a telegram about my critical condition. Any NDE that can be found true to objective reality is astonishing. How can mind travel through space and time? Mind is transcendental reality, a quantum entity. Science has not 
still reach the stage of understanding it. <clears throat> yes, I have to stop uh, this doc here. But how can my, the mind travel through space and time? Mind is transcendental reality. But the thoughts in your brain and when you develop pictures and, you know, you have, you can create pictures in your brain, in your mind, in complete darkness. That spot that's creating those images, same as what you're looking at right now. You open your eyes and what you're seeing in front of you. <clears throat> They're created in an insanely dark, the darkest place in the universe is inside your brain. But that's where all the light happens. And these pictures are not projected to that point. They're an electrical current that's taken to that point. So, if light is matter, is is that in your brain not matter itself as well? Is it not particles? Can particles not travel through objects? Can particles not travel through, you know, surfaces? They can, right? As far as what science tells us, I'm, I'm not a scientist. I just have to go by what I'm told and then form my own conclusions or theories, I guess. But in that sense, like, if light is matter and protons and is ex like exist in a physical realm, um, could you not... Everything that has happened as far as creating light, creating color, creating anything that you see, visualize, anything that's happening within the 3D realm, would it not be there like almost like a print of itself throughout space? See, I believe you can travel back in time and you can, but you can only do it uh, transcendentally through the subconscious and you can't interfere with going back in time. You can't interfere with that light. It's not, even if you did, it's not going to affect now. I don't believe, I don't know. Anyways, let's continue. Again, with what he said, any NDA, near de NDE, near-death experience that can be found true to objective reality is astonishing. How can mind travel through space and time? Mind is transcendental reality, a quantum entity. Science has not yet reached a stage of understanding it. As Shakespeare put it, there are truths undreamt of under the sky. Details. So this must be his near-death the incident actually occurred in September 1969 as a NDE is a profound experience. It is deeply etched in my memory. I can recollect even minute deta minute details of it instantaneously, though more than three decades have passed. At that time, I was 37 and robust young man. I was an agnostic, skeptical of religion, or anything that could not be called strictly scientific. My family had just moved into a small town called Illyria in Andhra Pradesh, Andhra India. 
Because of the unhygienic conditions there, I had a serious bout of dysentery. Avoiding self-treatment, I put myself under the care of my friend in general hospital. In spite of vigorous course of antibiotics, the dysentery did not subside. I lost a heavy amount of blood. Added to that, a serious fever developed. After a few days, my condition deteriorated very rapidly. Pulse became very weak and barely palpable. Palpable. In the spite of vig- uh, on the third day of the full moon at midnight, the physician was summoned. As my condition rapidly deteriorated and I was collapsing, while he was checking my heartbeat, suddenly I left my body. From the ceiling, I was looking at my own body. The visibility was very poor, as if thick cloud of smoke separated me from the rest of the surroundings. The severe pain that I was experienced just before leaving the body had vanished. I was calm and composed. Suddenly, I realized I was dead. My God! I brought my young kids and family and have left them in a strange place without any protection, financially or otherwise. Visibility was not clear. Everything was misty, but it was as though I could see without vision, hear without sound. I was in another dimension of existence. I could hear the laminates of women below and the hushed conversation. One thought became prominent in me. How absurd life is. In the morning, the body would be cremated. Is this all that? Is this all to life? What a meaningless end to a chain of boundless wonders and potential opportunities. It is like bubble floating on a sea. Then what is death? An entrance to another dimension? I was calmly and objectively thinking while my brain and body were lying below, as though I was not the person affected by death. Evolution endows matter with higher and higher levels of consciousness, and death seems to snatch it. While brooding, I became aware of a presence. In a speechless communication, it informed me that I could re-enter the body, if I so desired, but no time should be lost. At that critical moment, I pleaded for an answer to the riddle of life, as that thought had fully engrossed me. There was a beautiful vision of stars roaring past me. At the center of all that temulate was a glowing light. Each star appeared to be a minute center of consciousness. It was merging into and emerging from the central consciousness as desired by that cosmic will which shone like a very huge sun. The vision vanished, and I noticed that the doctor was looking down at me with amazement. I smiled feebly and told him I was okay. In that out-of-body state, I could fulfill all my desires as if I were <clears throat> omnipotent, omniscient, <sighs> fucking words. Uh, I thought of my mother, and I could see her running hectically on a platform at a railway station hundreds of miles away. When I entered the body, the virulent infection had vanished, and I could recoup in a couple of days. My mother later confirmed that indeed she was frantically running around someplace railway station <laughs> inquiring about a train to Iluru after receiving the telegram about my critical condition. NDD, NDE is cannot be explained in normal objective terms. I wonder what positive personality change all my arrogance vanished. Background information. He was a male. Man, that was a fucking long one uh, for someone that I don't know passed out i passed out one time i fainted one time i got uh i guess uh 
they call them PVCs, premature ventricle contractions of the heart. My heart flutters and drives me nuts all the time. Doctors say, no big deal. No big deal. <laughs> you see commercials like, if you ever feel pain in your chest, call 911 immediately. I feel pain in my chest all the time. Anyways, I was at home watching. I remember this pretty uh well i was watching the trayvon martin case so this was what like 2013 or something and uh i was watching the trayvon martin case and they were talking about trayvon martin getting shot and him bleeding out and uh it took a while for him to bleed out so while he was laying there he was bleeding out and the kid died uh and then I started to feel sick, and my kid was sleeping on the uh, couch. And at the time, she was, what, I don't know, five or something. So I felt really weird and sick. And uh, I get up off the couch, and I'm trying. I, I got my cell phone out, and I even have 911 on the screen. And I don't know what's happening here, but... uh. So I have 911 on the screen about to hit send, but I didn't want to hit send just in case it was nothing. I didn't know what the fuck was happening. And then it turns out I was going to collapse. So I went outside my house hoping that if I was dying or having a heart attack or whatever the hell happens, uh, that a neighbor would see me and be able to cause and get to my kid, uh, which apparently worked. Because I walked outside and I had the phone in my hand and I was about to hit the send when I got outside and face first right into the fucking ground I went. And I it was, I was, I wasn't out though. My body just didn't work. Like I was fully conscious. I was, as far as I know, I was fully conscious. I was fully aware of what was happening as far as. I just hit the fucking ground. Everything is blacked out. I can't hear anything. I can't see anything. I'm on the ground. Uh, and I just remember thinking, fuck, this is it, huh? I remember thinking, this is it. God damn it. Hopefully someone gets to my kid. I started thinking, hopefully someone gets to my kid. And then I thought, this ain't that bad. This ain't that bad. If this is how it goes, I guess. It's not that bad. And then the light started coming back. Like, my vision started coming back. And I started to hear the birds chirping. I went to pick myself up, and I fucking fell on my face. And I went to pick myself up, and I fell on my face. And I could not... My body wasn't working. My brain was on the whole time. Uh, so I don't know what the fuck. Uh, <laughs> but... <clears throat> my my body wasn't working and then it starts working of course and I finally get myself stood up and when I get myself stood up I don't know how long this has been so I get myself stood back up and I go go in my house and I could barely get the door open and stumble into my house my kid's still sleeping on the couch and as soon as I turn around here comes a neighbor oh man man are you okay are you having the big one are you having I'm like what the fuck I'm like 30 fucking you know, 32 or some shit like that. Like, 30, like, what the fuck are you talking to have the big one, dude? Like, I don't think so. 
I don't know what the fuck is happening. So I did not call an ambulance that time. I did go to the hospital. They ended up giving me a halter monitor shit. That's when they told me I had the PVCs. Actually, they didn't tell me then because I just, I got it done. Nobody fucking called and was like, hey. So I just let it, I didn't even bother with it. I was like, whatever. Because it felt like I had a reset happen. I felt really good because I was having these heart palpitations before that for like a couple weeks or some shit. And then I collapsed. I felt fucking great. It's like, fuck yeah. So I let it go. And then, I don't know, like six, seven months later, they started again. But all these doctors keep saying, no, it's no big deal. No big deal, guy. No big deal. (laughs) No big deal that you can feel that all the time and it drives you fucking insane. Right? People go, oh... You know, you thinking you're going to drop dead is all in your head. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're, my heart is flopping in my chest. It's not supposed to do that. It's, it's not supposed to do that. It's been doing it for like seven years. It's not. I don't think it's supposed to do it like that. Some There's a mass majority of people who have uh, heart arrhythmias. Um, which a lot of them are benign, which they say mine's benign, but I think a benign is when you don't feel it all the time. That seems pretty benign to me. Uh, cause there's a lot of people who have PBCs, premature ventricle contractions are, uh, there's another way they put it to premature packs, premature aorta. Aortic contractions, I guess those are different ones. But uh, that have these, and they don't even know it. They don't even feel it. They put an Apple Watch on, and they're like, what the fuck? (laughs) For that, I don't know how many times, where completely healthy people, completely healthy people put the new Apple Watch on, that last one they had that had the update with the EKG and shit on it. They put the fucking Apple Watch on. There was a one. The first story I heard of this was a guy who was a runner. He did marathons and shit. And his wife or someone got him an Apple Watch, and he puts it on one day, and it starts saying AFib. Uh, uh, AFib is what atrial fibrillations, which can cause stroke or kill you. And uh, it kept saying AFibs, and he's like, "What the fuck?" So he put it on his other hand, and it kept saying AFib. He's like, what the fuck? And he could not feel anything. Nothing felt different to him. So then he had his wife put it on, and it was fine. Then he put it back on. It said AFib. Like, what the fuck? Goes to the doctor. Turns out he was an AFib at that point. Didn't even know it. That's how crazy the heart is. The heart's a wild... A wild... uh machine it really is a machine i mean if you look at like uh echocardiograms and images of the heart beating and stuff and how the valves work and which i thought the valves opened and closed but they just flap they just flap back and forth very weird (laughs) very weird very weird uh mechanism for such a delicate thing (laughs) And that thing, your heart beats 
it's a perpetual machine until you die. It beats on its own, and it beats constantly, and it beats in a way that you're not even aware of it unless you get your heart rate up or you have insane PVCs like I do. Uh, then you're aware of it. And when you're aware of your heart rate or your heart beating, it's very hard to get it out of your head that at some point that thing shuts off. When it's out of sight, out of mind, and you don't hear it, and then flopping around or anything like that, or don't feel it. I don't feel it. My blood pressure is fine. But uh, even even if you had high blood pressure, don't mean you feel your heart. Um, but uh, the it's just beating. Like, you can't feel your heart beating right now. I can't feel mine beating right now. So you never really think about it. And then, you know, people who work out and run all the time, they're amping that up, but it's a muscle. So, I mean, it's not like that heart, you know, but again, it can just fucking rip out and just fucking explode. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. <laughs> it can just fucking explode. And that's it. And then you're fucking, you know, shitting your fucking pants. <laughs> It happens. You know? But with the near-death experiences, it seems a majority of them are cardiac arrest. I mean, the real ones. I don't want to say real and not real or whatever. Like me, when I passed out, I don't know what the fuck happened. But if that was a near-death experience, uh, it did not make me welcome death anymore. Because this seems to be another uh, common connection here with the near-death experience on the ND, the ender, is people who accept it, you know, and then are, like, cool with it, and it doesn't freak them out anymore. Which I don't know if that's... Uh, maybe. I mean... <laughs> Here, let's let's read one more. I don't know how long this one is. Let's. Oh, it's that's nah, all right. Because this is Betty. This is case number fifty nine. Mine was in nineteen fifty three when I was twenty years old. I was having a baby. After five hours on the delivery table, I was near death. I needed blood, and there was none in the small town where I lived. This is nineteen fifty three. So, she's in deep shit. Uh <laughs> at the, at that time the doctors decided to put me in an ambulance and send me to the hospital in Nashville 25 miles away this was around midnight the old ambulances were built like hearses my husband was afraid to be that close to me when I died so my mother climbed in beside me wait what her husband was afraid to be that close to her when she died so her mama had to do that's crazy uh, the near-death experience started while they were trying to decide about sending me. Of course, the doctor thought that I had slipped into a coma. I was listening to every word. When the funeral director arrived, he was also the ambulance driver. <laughs> oh, my God. With all that was going on, lying on my back with my eyes shut, I could see his feet and that his shoelaces were not tied and he had no on no socks. That really bothered me because I was afraid that he would trip and fall. That is a good 
worry when you're dead. They had to wheel me through the waiting room, and I could hear all the comments my mother-in-law kept repeating. She's dead. Look. How her eyes have rolled back in her head. I was seeing nothing at the time. It was all black. When they put me in the ambulance, I was floating between the top and my body. I was apparently really moaning, and I could hear that. All the time I was thinking, I wish I should be quiet. It was like my body was someone else, and I thought of it as a distraction. I just wanted to be quiet. I could hear my mother talking to my body and telling it that we would soon be there. The ambulance was going full blast with sirens on, and I remember seeing railroad tracks ahead and thinking that he should slow down. I felt no pain. Are they going to get hit by a train? But my body was still making a racket. When we got there, they were waiting for me, and five men rolled me into the elevator and then straight into the delivery room. This time I went straight to the ceiling and watched if I were watching TV. I felt so good and so... No words, I guess. Serene would come close. I absolutely had no interest in the body or about the baby. I did not see all the people in the waiting room that followed me there, nor did I think about them. When I was floating in the room, I was looking down. Then all of a sudden, I was going backward and up at a fast rate. Without feeling it, I suddenly was going forward. I did not think of it as a tunnel, but it was dark and there was a brilliant white light ahead and I really wanted to hurry and get there. The only sound was like a whirling noise. I awoke the next day in intensive care with the doctor sitting beside my bed. I was so excited that I wanted to tell him about this wonderful experience and he just smiled and patted my hand and started to tell me about my baby. He said that he wanted to prepare me for when I saw him. He had been in the birth canal so long that his head was all squished and came to a point on top. <laughs> he said also that he was afraid there may be brain damage. Damn. I'd been in labor for a week before all this started. Well, it turned out that he had an IQ of 160, ladies and gentlemen. 160. He was born the Sunday after Easter, and he was killed the Sunday after Easter, 25 years later in a plane crash in Alaska, where he was a bush pilot. He had several very close calls in various ways before he died. How did it change me? Before the NDE, I was a Sunday school teacher in a very strict fundamental church. After the NDE, I knew that nothing was like I had always believed. I became metaphysical overnight. It was like osmosis. There were no books. Nothing was even whispered like me knowing I still wanted to inform everyone that I came in contact with that this wonderful experience until the word got around that it was me and not the baby that had brain damage. So all the years before Dr. Moody, I learned to keep my mouth shut. I came out with knowledge that there is no death, only transition to another level. <clears throat> that saved me when my only son was killed. I grieved for me. I grieved for me and all the people that loved him, but I knew that he had felt no pain and no sadness. <clears throat> Although he had a daughter born two weeks after his death, I only wished that he could have seen her, and then I realized that he did. Background information, female. <coughs> so she had brain damage? Or <laughs> These near-death experiences... 
Let's see. One more if they're not too long. God damn, they're fucking long as fuck. This is a female January of 1982. At the time of their experience, it was an accident, life-threatening event, but not clinical death. Maybe this website sucks. I want, like, clinical death. Well, actually, the very first one... Um... The very first near-death experience on this uh, website is Dr. George Rodonia. Dr. George Rodonia holds an MD and PhD in neuro neuropathology and a PhD in the psychology of religion. Um, most recently, he delivered a keynote address to the United Nations on the emerging global spirit. Spirituality before immigrating to the United States from the Soviet Union in 1989. He worked as a research psychiatrist at the University of Moscow. Dr. Rodonier, Dr. Rod, we'll call him Dr. Rod, underwent one of the most extended cases of clinical near death experience ever recorded, pronounced dead immediately after he was hit by a car in 1976. He was left for three days in a morgue. He did not return to life until a doctor began to make an incision in his abdomen as a part of an autopsy. Like, holy shit. Another notable feature of Dr. Rod's near-death experience, and this is a, is common to many, is that he was radically transformed by it. Prior to his near-death experience, he worked as a neuropathologist. He was also avid, avowed atheist. Yet after the experience, he devoted himself exclusively to studying the psychology of religion. He then became an ordained priest in the Eastern Orthodox Church. Today, he serves as an associate pastor at the First United Methodist Church in Nederland, Texas. This is his story. Uh, the first thing I remember about my near-death experience is that I discovered myself in a realm of total darkness. I had no physical pain. I was still somehow aware of my existence as George. And all about me, there was darkness, utter and complete darkness. The greatest darkness ever, darker than any dark, blacker than any black. This was what surrounded me and pressed upon me. I was horrified. I wasn't prepared for this at all. I was shocked to find that I still existed, but I didn't know where I was. The one thought that kept rolling through my mind was, how can I be when I'm not? That is what troubled me. Slowly, I got a grip on myself and began to think about what had happened, what was going on, but nothing refreshing or relaxing came to me. Why am I in this darkness? What am I to do? Then I remembered uh, Descartes' famous line, I think, therefore I am, and that took a huge burden off of me, for it was when I knew for certain I was still alive although obviously in a very different dimension than I thought. If I am, why shouldn't I be positive? That is what came to me. I am George. I am, I am in darkness, but I know I am. I am what I am. I must not be negative. That's a wild thought. Then I thought, how can I define what is positive in darkness? Well, positive is light. Then suddenly I was in light, bright white, shiny and strong, a very bright light. It was like the flash of a camera, but not flickering that bright. Constant brightness. At first I found the brilliance of the light painful. I couldn't look directly at it, but little by little I began to feel safe and warm 
and everything suddenly seemed fine. The next thing that happened was that I saw all these molecules flying around atoms, protons, neutrons, just flying everywhere. On the one hand, it was totally chaotic. Yet what brought me such great joy was that this chaos also had its own symmetry. The symmetry was beautiful and unfi- un- <laughs> beautiful and unified and whole, and it flooded me with tremendous joy. I saw the universal form of life and nature laid out before my eyes. It was at this point that any concern I had for my body just slipped away, because it was clear to me that I didn't need it anymore, that it was actually a limitation. Everything in this experience merged together, so it was it is difficult for me to put an exact sequence to events. Time, as I had known it, came to a halt. Past, present, and future were somehow fused together for me in the timeless unity of life. At some point, I underwent what has been called the life review process, for I saw my life from beginning to end all at once. I participated in the real-life dramas of my life, almost like a holographic image of my life going on before me. No sense of past, present, or future, just now and the reality of my life. It wasn't as though I, it started with birth and ran along to my life at the University of Moscow. It all appeared at once. There was this, there I was. This was my life. I didn't experience any sense of guilt or remorse for things I'd, I'd done. I didn't feel one way or another about my failures, faults, or achievements. All I felt was my life for what it is, and I was content with that. I accepted my life for what it is. During this time, the light just radiated a sense of peace and joy to me. It was very positive. I was so happy to be in the light, and I understood that the, what the light meant. I learned that all the physical rules for human life were nothing when they compared to this universal reality. I also came to see that the black hole is only another part of that infinite infinity, which is light. I case, came to see that reality is everywhere. This is not simply the earthly life, but the infin, infinite life. Everything is not only connected together, everything is also one. So I felt a wholeness with the light, a sense that all is right with me and the universe. So there I was, flooded with all these good things, and this wonderful experience when someone begins to cut into my stomach. Can you imagine what had happened was that I was taken in, I was taken to the morgue. I was pronounced dead and left there for three days. I've investigation of the cause of my death was set up so they sent someone out to do an autopsy on me as it began to cut into my stomach i felt as though some great power took a hold of my neck and pushed me down it was so powerful that i opened my eyes and had this huge sense of pain my body was cold and i began to shiver they immediately stopped the autopsy and took me to the hospital where i remained for the following nine months most of which i spent under a respirator holy shit Slowly I regained my health, but I would never be the same again, because all I wanted to do for the rest of my life was study wisdom. This new interest led me to attend the University of Georgia, which I took my second PhD in the psychology of religion. Then I became a priest in the Eastern Orthodox Church. Eventually in 1989, we came to America, and I'm now working as an associate pastor at the First United Methodist Church in Nederland, Texas. Anyone who has had such an experience of God who has felt such a profound sense of connection with the reality, knows that there is only a true significant work to do in life, and that is love. To love nature, to love people, to love animals, to love creation itself. Just because it is. 
to serve God's creation with a warm and loving hand of generosity and compassion. That is the only meaningful existence. Many people turn to those who have had near-death experience because they sense we have the answers. But I know this is not true, at least not entirely. None of us will fully fathom the great truths of life, life until we finally unite with eternity at death. But in the meantime, it is our very nature to seek answers to our deepest questions about the near-death experience of immortality. That is Dr. George Rodonia. He was dead for three fucking days, they said. In a morgue for three fucking days. This website, I just got into this website. Now I'm going to read all these stories. I want to find the ones where they were clinically fucking dead. You know, clinically dead. Like this guy, in 2006, while undergoing a cardiac catheterization for an angioplasty, I was on the table and was able to hear the doctor and nurse talking, and every so often the doctor would ask me to cough or take a deep breath. I suddenly found myself in a dark area. <coughs> I don't want to read that one right now. But, uh, so yeah, the Enderf, the Near Death Experience Research Foundation. I just find it extremely interesting, you know, people's near death. Uh, was mine a dear, near death? I don't, I don't know. I didn't die. Uh, I don't know if hitting the ground jump start my heart or something. I don't think I was dead. I was, fainted but consciously I was awake which is fucking crazy uh um yeah so you gotta check that out again I heard that on the tinfoil hat with Sam Tripoli their latest the satanic panic uh episode with Alex Sikaros 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 I don't know how to fucking pronounce it. Uh, I guess, I mean, I guess that will do it for me on this one. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. The near death experiences. Go to raindoutrancast.com. We got new shirts and merch and shit up. Uh, be sure to share this out. Be sure to share, share this out. You know, maybe go ahead, tell your mom about it, tell your friends.